This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wiccan Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, and Damien Farrar Hockley. <laughs> Things have gotten a bit chilly recently, and I'm not talking about the December temperatures. It's been a few weeks, we've been a bit miserable on the last few pods. We're going to be a bit miserable here, but we're going to try as best as we possibly can to inject some much-needed positivity. Um, look, let's, let's kick off with Saturday, crashing out of the FA Cup, uh, losing against uh, Morecambe, two goals to nil, uh, losing to a League Two side who only the week before had been dicked 6-0 by Deadpool. About five fans in attendance, sub-zero temperatures, bit miserable. Let's not talk about it for too long. General thoughts of no more cup run, that the big cup anyway? I was there and it was one of the most miserable afternoons I've had at the park. Um, only made better by Adam's son, Lockie, being there, being brilliant, as he always is. The, the game itself was shite. We were shite, everything about it, and it was like minus five. And I was, Lockie's enthusiasm was the only reason I was there after 20 minutes, and that's all I'm going to say about it because it was so horrible. 80% possession conceded at home. That's horrendous. I'll let one of you have Split a go at that. Side. Yeah, I know. Um, but also, what did we make of um, Jack's post-match interview afterwards? Because that was pretty strong stuff. I thought it was brilliant. I really did. Um, and it, it, it tells me a couple of things. First of all, um, it tells me, and it kind of gives me a little bit of relief. I didn't. I don't think I ever really doubted this, but it just reinforces the fact that Blooms is asking them to do one thing and they're doing something completely the opposite, Mm. Um, which is very, very frustrating. Um, Secondly, it tells me that Jack Grimmer is an awesome human being um, and I have absolutely no doubt that he'll be in that changing room absolutely tearing people new assholes if that's what needs to happen. Um, There are undoubtedly some players in there who aren't performing anywhere near to the standards that they should be. Um, And I think it's much easier when you're a player to call out other players. And he, he did say, including myself two or three times in that interview um, than it is for a manager. So massive well done to Jack, massive pat on the back to Jack for really stepping up and being the one who, who spoke. I thought he spoke maturely. Um, I thought he spoke really, really sensibly um, he didn't name anybody individually. He spoke about them as a collective and as a team. He spoke about the Wiccan values and what they stand for, you know, the ability to to to, to scrap and give 100%. Um, and he obviously wasn't happy. Um, and I think that when you've got people like that, you know, he's not even our captain. He's not even the, the leader. But when you've got people like that who are prepared to come out and do an interview like that so soon after such a disappointing result, you have to stand up and take your hat off to him. So, so yeah, first of all, well done, Jack. 
I think that Jack Grimmer needs to stay with the club until he retires. And if he wants to be a coach, that we should probably bring him on as a coach going forward as well, because that level of honesty, and you've seen it through the co-coms in weeks have gone by, that he's a very intelligent bloke, um, knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. And and to come out so candidly and honestly on Saturday is is really good to see. There's a bit of a concern with some of the stuff that he did say, because obviously, you know, that's not, the way that we've been over the last few years where we've had this purple patch over the last few seasons um and it's a bit of a shame that we seem to have lost our way in the energy a bit i think what concerned me a bit more was that saturday the consistency between jack's interview and matt's interview were very different things and i felt matt was kind of treading the party line a bit too much whereas Jack gave a more honest assessment. And when there's a bit of a contradiction, because obviously even Phil asked Jack outright about the injuries and, and Jack was like, well, that's not an excuse. We had 11 people on the pitch that were, you know, quality enough to be able to see off Morecambe, which are absolutely 100% correct. Mm-hmm. For Matt to then say that injuries were an issue, it, 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 you know, we we need a bit of consistency there because in going forward, it kind of... I think Matt's not done himself any favours. He's probably de- devalued what he will say going forward because, you know, you've got very different thought processes going through the same changing room. That's my only thought anyway. I thought Jack, Jack's interview, absolutely outstanding. As you said, Adam, it's brilliant. That's exactly what the kind of character we want in the club. And hopefully, you know, these younger players that are coming through that don't have as much loyalty to the club as your Jacks and your JJs do, um, hopefully that in time will will come across. Maybe it's because we've got too many loans this season, whereas before we haven't. And who knows? But um, do you think um, it needs to change quick? Do you not think that Bloom's line was different to Jack's? Because and this is how I read it. It's interesting how two people can look at the same interviews and read it completely differently. But to me, like Jack turned around and said they've had a lot of illness in the camp. That came from Jack, not Matt. Matt didn't mention the illness, and nobody knew about it. But mm. secondly. A manager, if a manager goes and throws his team under the bus, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Whereas a player, a player who is in the thick of it, who's calling himself out as well as people who are on his level, is much more appropriate. Now, yeah, I am ninety-five percent sure that Jack and Matt have spoken before that interview, and Jack said, "I've got you, Gaffer," and that's why they put him in front of the camera. Um, yeah. I, I, I genuinely believe that. Um, I, I think, think I, I, if Matt had come out and gone, they were all shit. I'm absolutely disgusted with every single one of them. I'm dragging them into training tomorrow morning. The players, the, the players' heads would have been in an even worse place than it already was. The manager's throwing them under a bus. Whereas I think Matt's come out and he's tried to speak quite candidly, quite defensively. Whereas Jack's just come out and ripped into him, which I think is what it needed. Yeah, I think that you got two interviews that could could only come from a manager and a player. The things that Jack said couldn't come from a manager. You've heard them come from a manager in the past, but they're usually people like Nathan Jones, who was about to get sacked. You know, there, there's a certain type of candor that a manager kind of has to have. And I, and, and I imagine it probably comes from the leadership training, the UEFA badge stuff, all of that education that they do to put themselves in these positions. But also... Matt Bloomfield is media trained to the to the gills, um, to to the point of being a bit frustrated. It being a bit frustrating, really, because you know when you get these interviews with these people and they're so media trained, and you just know that they're just giving you a load of pre rehearsed spiel. He's much more honest than Gaz, though. He he yeah he is he is um, and and I think that what I do like about Blooms' interviews is that you can see that there's a lot of. And I'm not not saying that you didn't see this with with uh, Gaz, but the disappointment is usually far more noticeable in the in in the voice, in his body language, in the way he is. And and I guess it's just in the different types of personalities. But Gaz would always try and look for some positives to the point of it being almost kind of comical. But I going back to the interviews though, I think that Jax was uh, I think a shot in the arm. I think it's what what we needed, and I think we saw that on you know in in the game on Tuesday. Um, but I would, I would be surprised if they'd really, um, 
it, it seemed that they weren't coordinating the things that they were going to say because there were inconsistencies in in some of the things that they were saying. But I think that that mm. just comes from the fact that you know Jack Grimmer is you know he's he's a full blooded Scotsman. He doesn't you know mince his words, um, and what he said needed to be said. But I think that that could have only have come from a player. And what Blooms Blooms couldn't have said those things. It needed to come from a player, and it did. I think I agree. One of the one of the most um, telling things for me, and I think if there was any throwing under the bus, it was done obviously behind closed doors, where it should be. But I was outside when a lot of the players came out. Obviously, the mood was down, but they the amount of them that apologised to the fans that were waiting for them, they know what they've done wrong. Mm-hmm. So why have they gone out and done it? Well, it's it. Do you know what I think? You know, saying saying sorry is is fine, and it's 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 nice. I mean, you you you'd get, you know, you see it on social media all the time. You get dejected players walking through hotel lobbies, and they won't even look at the kids. We know, and we've said it before on the pod before that this club has a different connection with its fans, and I'm sure every fan of every club will probably say the same thing. But we know this to be true. Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If, if saying sorry after the fact doesn't really make it any better, but those kids and those parents waiting out afterwards are the people that are going to be turning up week after week after week after week. We could have lost that game 28 nil and they still would have been there. These are the people that are going to be there no matter what. Unfortunately, that doesn't account for the people that are turning up, you know, for the first time on Saturday. God bless them. Seeing that and then going, I am never coming back here ever again. And that's a problem that the club have. No, I agree. I'm I'm just going back to Matt's interview. I don't think there's necessarily a need to throw people under the bus. Um, because no, that's what not what a manager should be doing, and obviously behind closed doors. But there's still, as you said, Michael, there's a there's levels of inconsistencies between both of them that if I was the media person for the club, I would be like you need to be a little bit more joined up with with what you're saying because there was a bit of contradictory um, points, i.e. the injuries. I mean, Matt can still say, you know, injuries aside, we should still be beating them. You know, he doesn't have to throw any players under the bus there. He can admit that the quality was decent enough. Um, So it's not necessary, you know, that the level that Jack went to was right because obviously he's a player, as you say, 100% agree with that. But... um, there, there just seemed to be too many inconsistencies, which made me a little bit nervous about how things are in the changing room at the moment. That's that's my only thoughts around that. Yeah, and and we're going to get into a whole load of this stuff. We've got some wonderful questions that we're going to unpack mm. very, very shortly. Uh, turns out, in terms of the FA Cup, we were not up for the Cup, but one Cup that we are apparently up for is uh, is everyone's favourite, the um, the Pizza Bristol Cup Motors of Trophy Elf. Um, we're through to the next round. We're through to the last 16, uh, one on Tuesday night. 3-2 victory over the mighty Fulham under-21s. Uh, look, it's a win. It's a shot in the arm. It was absolutely needed. As you mentioned in chat last night, Adam, we weren't messing around with with the lineup. We put a very strong uh we put a strong starting eleven out. Um it's just some absolutely crazy stuff happening before kickoff. Obviously, because it's Wickham, we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh Lyle Taylor uh recently arrived to uh alleviate the injury crisis. Um was injured two minutes before kickoff. Dale Taylor comes into the starting eleven uh, and scores two goals after me ragging on uh, about his lack of goals for the last few weeks. He's proved me wrong. Well done. Let's see if we can do that again on Saturday. Uh, scored two. Farino scored one. Uh, so, some positives here. Um, I didn't watch the game. I listened to the commentary. Watched the uh, watched the extended highlights. Um, but much better, right? It was better. Hell of a lot. It was better. Look, we, we, we looked like we had more attacking intent. Mm. Um, no, there's a couple of very, very tidy Fulham players in there. I can't remember his name. The guy who's just been called out for England under 17s. Dan will know his name. He's got a memory for stuff like that. Um, Which one up front? Okay. The guy up front? Yeah, the quick guy up front. Um, Joshua King. <laughs> he, looked, um, he looked pretty good. Um, mm. But, you know, the, the one concern I have is we've just played against a load of kids. And we've conceded, again, two quite sloppy goals. Um, well, the first one, goal was a worldie. Yeah, one of yeah. their goals was amazing. Yeah, but sh- 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 
Should he have been allowed to score? That is the question that I would ask. And he, yes, he's taking it beautifully. Keeper's he's got a bit no of skill time. outside the box. Yeah, but and we we had this conversation about a couple of games previous in the season where we've had Welders scored against us. How have they managed to get into that position? That'd be that'd be my question first of all. Um, second goal sloppy. You know, Franco's had to make a save to stop it going to three all quite near the end. Um, so yeah, my only concern is that. You know, we still continue to leak goals, but at least we've had shots on target. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that will do Taylor's uh, confidence. The world are good. Lyle Taylor, I'm just tearing my hair out about. Um, <clears throat> I just think we've scored a massive own goal. Bringing bringing somebody in who is that out of practice, um, I think it's going to end up biting us on the ass. I think it's going to cause more problems than it solves in the long run. But I hope I'm wrong. It's well, only a short-term deal, though, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We don't, have, yeah, to, but we if, don't have to carry on. If Folks comes back next week and he's picking Taylor over Folks, and then Folks I don't, is... I don't think that'll be happening. Folks no. is pissed off. No. If he leaves Taylor on the bench and Folks is starting, then Taylor's pissed off. And have we got a bad egg around the training, training ground? That's my issue. Yeah. Um, Not for I, a long I, time, though. Not I, for a long I, time. I, I want him to prove me wrong and to come out and score six, seven goals between now and the end of his deal. But I just can't I, see it. I, I don't think he will. It. I don't think he will. And and I do think that there is a benefit to Lyle Taylor um, being at the club, whether that's for another four weeks uh, or, or another four months or, or, or another month, it doesn't matter, um, is even if he's not playing, I think that there's a, there's a good football brain there that could, you know, so he could, you know, coach... Dale through this patch how, right now. How many of them do we want? How many of them do we want? Keo, Vokes. Yeah. We no, no, I mean, and, and look, look. a club I, who can afford to be paying people top dollar no. to be a cheerleader. Um, yeah. And and that's harsh, but ultimately, he is a striker like Vokes, like Taylor, like TJ, like all the others. He should be judged on how he performs as a striker. And I, um, I do, I do so wonder, far, though. Isn't... Yeah, I do wonder if there was potentially him being signed was on a provision or basis where they probably spoke to Voxy before. Well, at least I hope they did because Voxy, I think is kind of cemented as a kind of talismanic striker, isn't he? And you're signing Lyle Taylor who kind of sits in a very similar role, similar experience. I'm sure Voxy would have been consulted ahead of that, you know, purchase that signing, uh, not purchase that signing. And he would have gone, well, yeah, I'm currently injured and I'm working my way back to full fitness. I think it makes sense for the good of the club to have another head in. Um, and the club would have said, but you are still our guy. When you're full fitness, you're still our guy. At least at least in my utopian brain, that's how it would have happened. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> that's a good that. case. No, I, I really hope that Lyle Taylor scores a hat-trick when he's back fit. And on the third goal, he runs towards the family stand, rips his shirt off to reveal the basket. Shut up, Cooper. Shut up, Cooper. <laughs> points right at him. But the thing is, but the thing is, the only the person would be that would be clapping the loudest and the hardest would be Adam. So, yeah, absolutely. You know. I want him to prove me right. And the, the, the annoying thing—not annoying at all. This, this I think is just typically Wickham. He is the nicest bloke you could ever wish to meet. As a bloke, I absolutely love him. And it's not his fault that he's been brought in and he's got all this pressure on his shoulders. Um, but, you know, if if your car breaks down and you go out and you buy a 33-year-old car that hasn't been on the road for the last 18 months, the chances are it's going to break down, right? Mm. And, you know, that that's the risk we've taken and the risk has backfired. And I, I feel ter- he is a lovely bloke and I feel terrible sitting here criticising him, but there would be absolutely no point in sitting on this podcast if I wasn't saying things as I was seeing them. Um, and you know, true to myself, I will always call it as I see it, and that's that's how I see it at the minute. I don't think it's his fault, but I'll call it as I see it. Well, let's talk about some uh, some more positive things before we move on. Um, obviously, some some headlines coming out of the game, which ordinarily would have been a game that no one would have been talking about, but we needed this win. We got this win. Twitter seems to be a bit happier. Not that I would know. Um, Luke Luke's back. Uh, made his made his turn in the second half. That's great. Obviously, hopefully, he's building towards being involved in Saturday's game. More on that in a bit. 200 appearances in all comps for Josh uh, across his two spells. That's great. Uh, I mean, goes without saying just how important he is for us. 
Uh, and the last most important thing is the cup run continues. The draw for the next round is going to be made on Friday. Uh, does does anyone, any any ideal ties? Surely we want another under-21 side, right? If we're going to get to Wembley, certainly. Uh. Um, I can't see many of the under-21 sides actually being all that good, to be honest. I mean, Fulham had one or two decent players, but as a unit, they weren't that good. You know, I just think that's the easiest route to Wembley, but you know we'll get someone like Peter Raw or something like that. I don't know <laughs> if it's still regionalised, but we'll get someone who hates us. Does anybody actually care who we get in the next round? Just wondering. I don't. I just don't give a shit, really. If we get to Wembley, great. If we don't, then sod the cup. I mean, it's nice pocketing the 10, 20 grand, whatever you get for every win, but I couldn't give a shit, to be honest. Does anyone know if it's a big prize for the actual, um, for winning it? It's a really big trophy and a moped. <laughs> and, and, and I think... It's a hundred grand for winning the final. It's hundred grand, is it? That's uh, that's, that's quite beautiful. a lot of um, yeah, it's quite a lot of chips. So um, half, a, it, yeah. half a Sean Devine. Yeah, so it's half like for both three games. For the group games, I think it was like ten grand, and it goes up to it might have been twenty grand, then it goes up to like thirty grand, then forty grand, then fifty grand, then sixty grand, and then obviously for the final we get hundred grand. Beggars, uh, beggars can't be choosers. Let's let's move on. One thing that happened at the Tuesday game was uh, was Uncle Rob was in town for a Q and A, and um, yeah, it was a Q and A. But we're going to do a Q and A, and um, with all due respects to the Qigs, um, I think ours is going to be better. We went to Twitter and we asked our lovely friends to send us some questions that basically act and serve as a general assessment for the season so far. There are. Lots of questions, unfiltered questions. We're going to tackle as many as we possibly can. Here we go. Let's jump into this. Uh, first question, uh, coming from our friend George at the Wickham Way. Uh, and his question is, what constitutes a successful season based on where we are currently? We always said at the start of the season, a successful season is mid-table, really. I don't. We got our hopes up a bit when we had our little nice run of form. But I think, let's be honest, you know, mid-table is, is, is fine this season. Um, we wanted a cup run. Obviously not in the form of cup that we've got. I'd rather have the FA Cup, even though Swansea City away isn't really a very tasty tie in the third round that we probably would have lost anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still gunning for mid-table um, and I hope we get there. I think there's a lot of worse teams in this league. Um, I say worse touch wood. I hope that's the case, but let's let's say mid table. I'd be I'd be happy with tenth to twelfth. If you ask Uncle Rob, I think he'd be disappointed with your answer um, because he obviously wants us to go up um, to get something back on his investment. But I kind of agree with you. Although I'd like like a little bit higher, maybe tenth, and with the outside chance for playoff, the push towards the end of the season. That's what I'd like. I think top half is success. Um, new manager, lots of change, lots of people who were who were trying to um, to teach the Wickham way, if you like. Hey, oh, <laughs> um, and look, these things aren't going to happen overnight. And I think most sensibly minded Wickham fans will understand that we've got some young players um, who who need to grow into themselves. Um, we've got some new players who need to to grow into the areas and their new routines and their new lifestyles. Um, and we've got some older players who are coming to the end of their career um, who are probably thinking about what they're going to be doing in the future. And, you know, it, it it's never an easy thing to, to bring so many players from so many different walks of life into our kind of squad. Um, so it's not really a surprise that perhaps things have gone wrong when there's been a few injuries. But I think if we finish in the top half, for me, that's been a successful season and pretty much par for the course. I've I've said from pre-season, from day one, that I'd be absolutely delighted with a twelfth place finish. Um, that that's I I even think that that's probably being that's an optimistic prediction given the turnover of of players and staff um, over the last twelve months. Um, it's been a period it's been a tumultuous period for the club and we are restabilizing um we also have to remember the fact that a good portion uh of our playing of our first team are loanies uh young loanies as well so we're a young squad um yeah i i think 
to anyone that's expecting automatic promotion or even playoffs this season. It's it's nice. It's nice to be optimistic. It's nice to dream. But ultimately, I think, you know, my cynical brain is that they are only dreams and we need to be realistic about what we are. I think given our attendances and given our budget and given the people, you know, given the people that turn up every week, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think we're we're lucky to be in the position that we are, honestly. Um, good question, George. Love you lots. Uh, next question, Adam uh, Gipke. Uh, thinking long term, who are the players that we should look to start integrating more into the team? This is a good question because we're coming off of uh, the Elf Cup game, which we typically feature players that are on the fringe. Are there any players for you that have caught your eye that we should be trying to get into more of our games? My frustration is at times like these, some of those players aren't getting enough of a look in. Um, We've spoken about TJ before. We've spoken about TJ till we're blue in our faces. Um, you know, but I think you've also got uh, Luca Woodhouse, um, who looks like a very, very tidy footballer. I think Christy Ward is also um, has also got the ability, but it's been a bit hampered by injuries. Um, yeah, I think they're the they're the ones from the original kind of. Um, youth gang if you like or B team gang that could that could really break into our team. I would really have liked to have seen TJ given a start um yesterday. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't have started him. And I thought actually given that bit of extra time coming on, he wasn't just given ten minutes at the end. I thought actually he looked he looked pretty sharp when he came on. Um he made one or two really, really, really positive passes, nearly ended up banking himself an assist. Um but but yeah I mean <sighs> The bottom line is we're not really going to know until we see these guys in action. There's not huge numbers of, a, of B team games going on, so um, so the only way that we're going to get to see them is is either in preseason or in the first team. And I think you know a bit of an injury crisis. We could have used these guys better rather than overusing some of the players who we've overused. I think there's a bit of tiredness in there um, from people playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You know, could mm-hmm. we have put in like I said yesterday on chat? You know, could we have put Deck in at the back? and played deck with two experienced central midfielders? Could we have then played Luca in midfield with another one or two experienced um, central midfielders or players as a holding midfielder? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. I don't think you can criticise the the club for what they've done with the B team. I think it's been absolute genius. I think, you know, you, you've only got to look at, um, at Mometi, um, look at what Al Hamadi's doing. You know, there's a big, there's a big sell on there. Um, and any... Uh, any of the other players that are taken off of our hands, you know, will make us money. We spoke about Farino in the summer, um, but not only through a transfer, but also through the basis of, you know, sell-on clauses in the future. So, um, so yeah, I think we just need to start having a little bit of faith in these guys, particularly the ones who have been on the fringes. We need to give them a bit of time. I can see Adam's head turning around like the exorcist now where it goes full 360, but I really want sadly more in the team as well. I think he's been very much on the outskirts at the moment. And um, Lyle Taylor really set him, set him off. <laughs> uh, but no, I think he, you know, he's, he seems to have a really good game last night. I know he's playing against kids and he's playing against, you know, Wimbledon and things like that. Had nothing to play for, but I think, you know, he's had championship experience, everything else. I think he's, he's, starting to get a bit more kind of used to the way of us doing things here and I think he needs to kind of be in and around the first team a bit more um, development squad wise I really want to see more of Skura I think he is very positive I think he he looks very strong at the back and I think he'll probably have a bit of a breakthrough like Farino and Joe Lowe have um, I also really liked Taylor Clark as well. I think in midfield, there's a lot of good things coming from him. Nida Market and, and their fans spoke very highly of him. And I know that's non-league, but I think he's, he'll do well. Um, Luca Woodhouse had a great time at Slough and so did Matt Shazi, which I was very surprised he went at the end of last year. But, you know, um, these these players, if you give them two or three games, you'll soon find out whether they're good enough for, for where we're at. I mean, Christy Ward didn't look too bad when he came on last season against like Ipswich and teams like that. So, yeah. you know, we've got to get, as, as Adam says, give these players more of a chance. I've got to agree on um, about Sadler because I mean, just on last night's game, he, he ran the game for the first 40 minutes of it, basically. Um, and he linked up well with people like Leahy, 
and Scowen when it came on. So it was it was all. I think Sadir is one of those guys who get the minutes in him, and he'll he'll be a decent signing. Um, but one question I do want to ask is these all these development guys, ones that aren't out on loan, do they train with the first team? Is it separate? Because yeah, if they're training, training with, the first, training team, with they, the first team, they're going to get experience. You know, they're going to get knowledge from people like Keo and Boats and people like that. You know, it's only going to make them better. It is good, but I do think that a lot of the crucial telling experience is actual practical stuff on the pitch yeah. on a Saturday in front of twelve fans um, who haven't got chips. That's that's how they're going to really learn the game. Learn by actually doing. Um, I. I really like Declan Skura. Um, I think it's just really hard that if you've got, you know, if we're going to be really, we're going to be, if we're going to stick with this free at the back formation, which I imagine we are going to, you know, and we play low and Farino and, um, uh, who's Farino low and uh, Tafazoli. Taf. The kind of sweet spot free. That's it's hard. It's hard for for Deck to get into it. But I think that he's got there. There are opportunities if because you, you need to keep those free fresh. So the, you need you need to have some rotation in, um, particularly if we're going to play the game that we are. We're going to be stubborn with it. Um, I really like um, Christy Ward. Uh, saw a lot of him towards the end of last season. I'm surprised that he hasn't had more minutes. To be honest with you, I know that he's been kind of in and out with some injuries. But as far as I'm aware, he's uh, he's fit at the moment. I want to see more of him. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen really enough to cast a, a full opinion on on Taylor Clark, but I hear uh, good things. I just think that if you've got these players, and we constantly talk, you know, Unky Rob talks over and over again about the B team, and we always talk about the B team, but we don't see anything from the B team. So let's get these guys more involved and integrated, even if you're bringing them on for five minutes here and there, you know, that, that'd be good. You know, five minutes is, makes a world of difference for, for recovery, get someone off the pitch. If they're just showing, you know, especially if you've got Keo and he's playing like 88 minutes, just get him off, give him, give him a couple of minutes. He's old. He needs a hot water bottle and a LucasAid. Be nice to the man for God's sake. So yeah, I'm, I'm it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last minute winner? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Really hoping that we can find ways to, to better integrate these players. Time will tell. Thanks for the question, Adam. Uh, next question from James Smith. Um, five at the back, formations. Uh, <laughs> this will be fun. Um, do we think that Blooms is being a little bit too stubborn, sticking with this formation? Uh, and uh, do we have good quality enough wing backs for it? And this is a very greedy question, James. Um, is this formation taking the threat out of the attack? This is my favourite question of the night. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that he's, he's really thought about it. He hasn't been overcritical. Um, but he's actually thought about the tactics and he's thought about what he wants to ask and what the risks are of playing five at the back. First of all, is five five at the back the way forward? In my opinion, no. Um, we all touched on it. Um, bizarrely, you take a player out and we look better defensively. I can't remember what game it was recently that we went with a four, but we all agreed that we looked more solid. Um, I think we're barking up the wrong tree when we talk about wingbacks um, because I think... Harry Boys has been very, very good um, after those first two really tough games, Exeter and Lincoln. Um, I think his delivery is excellent. <clears throat> um, and, you know, then the other side, you know, we've we've kind of unhurled um, 
Jasper Pattenden as a right wing back because of injury, but you've also got Grimmer, McCarthy, etc., who I think are perfectly capable of playing at this level out there and have proved that over a number of years. Mm. Um, is it affecting our um, our offensive play? Absolutely, hundred percent is. Um, I I personally think we are better playing a three four three than this three five two that he's playing, um, but. There are many different variations of this formation, <clears throat> and uh, and to make it work, I think you've got to go with what you believe in. And I think the problem is that he's built a a, a squad around um, around the way that he wants to play, which is why he wants to try and do that. And I'm, I don't necessarily think that that's being stubborn, but to me, a four two three one. I was thinking about this earlier. A four two three one would be the way forward. Yeah. Um, and I would go with, you know, whatever's going on with the goalkeeper at the minute. It's going on with the goalkeeper. You know, I think they're much of a muchness at the moment. But I would probably go with Grimmer, um, Jolo, Tafazoli, um, Boys, then as the two midfielders. Farino. When all fit, the two midfielders, I'd go Scowen and Potts. Then I'd probably play McCleary, Leahy. And Taylor as the three behind Vokes, um, and I think that gives you mm. it gives you no five. Phillips. You let one of your um, not in not when everyone's fit, um, but you know there's a, there's certainly an, there's certainly an argument there for him. Uh, he, he could certainly play it on the on the left instead of Taylor. Um, that's just my opinion. I think it gives you more options going forward. I think it allows you, if you play the two, one goes and one holds, it gives you five offensive players and five defensive players. Um, whereas at the moment when we're breaking, um, we only ever seem to have one or two in the box, which is a real problem. Um, and that's why I think our, our, our wingbacks look so... Um, look, look so poor because they're putting their heads up and they're putting a cross in the box and there's no one in there to meet it. Um, so I think the problem is the shape and the formation that we're playing um, rather than the wing backs. But a uh, great question and food for thought. <clears throat> and I can see Dan's head about to explode because I've just uh, cause I've just said that Phillips might not be in my, uh, my start. <laughs> All of our heads. Do you know what though? I, I think, and it's one of those moments where how, how do you take Killian Phillips out of the squad at the moment with the way that he's playing? Um, and because uh, he seems to be the only one that really is putting a hundred. Well, I'm not saying they don't put a hundred percent in, but the the amount of effort they does put in is is fantastic, and you can't take him out. But that just highlights, you know, you missed out for you know, you missed out Phillips, you missed out a couple of others there. That does show you that the level of depth that we have this season, you know, is 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 much better than we've had previous seasons. But um, five at the back question, I I might sound really tactically naive here, but I always feel when you go five at the back, really it's three at the back. Because when you're playing the win backs, the win backs generally will always think more push attacking. Up. Yeah. And they'll always push up and they don't do the defensive duties as well as a left back or a right back might do. And that's again, that might be me sounding tactically naive, but I see this problem throughout anyone that's playing with win backs is that sometimes people are saying, he's great going forward, but you don't get back. And that's that's yeah, I, I think that's where the I issue think the is. Idea, I think, it's I think the idea we're is exposed. to get the ball further up the pitch, isn't it? The idea is to get the ball further up the pitch, and then your wing backs run like Billy O all game, yeah. trying to it get don't... backwards and forwards. The problem is what's happening with us because we're. But, but, look, I'm not knocking the ability. We're in, we're an average League One team. I don't think that's un, that's an unfair thing to say. But it's so easy to get caught in behind of your fullbacks when they are doing their attacking duty. And they have to do their attacking duty, by the way. I'm not saying mm-hmm. they shouldn't be doing it. They have to do it because of the way we're set up. Um, you know, the risk of being caught in behind. And the problem is then, you know, we've been playing Keo in there a lot. The problem is when we're getting caught in behind and Keo can't run, you're then most of the time, if they're attacking with two, three or four players, it's two, three or four players on, on two, which is not an ideal situation. I think you you solve that by going with a flat back four. Yeah. And this is where I think, you know, tactically, this is where Blooms will develop that in time and his experience in time. We've got to give it to him. But I think sometimes he's got to realise that some games need a four at the back. Um, If he wants to try the five at the back over time, that's great. But you've got to have that versatility. We've got enough depth in the squad to be able to kind of shift between five and four at the back. 
Um, I think five at Butler takes too takes too long to learn. Um, and I don't think, I mean, if you look at the age of some of the players, apart from Keo and Taft kind of balancing out Farino and Lowe in terms of age, um, two very different ends of the spectrum. I think you, you know, you've got some very tactically inexperienced players there that are trying to learn new roles. I mean, Jasper there learning the new right wing back role. Harry Boys is still 21, learning a, you know, left wing back a bit more. Um, yeah. You have to remember as well, he brought in Vincent Young, didn't he, for that exact reason. He brought in Kane to play yeah. that players as right. And I know we all agree that he's not great defensively, but he does give you another option going forward. Whereas a Grimmer or a Pattenden are perhaps a little bit more defensive. Vincent Young gives you that ability forward and another body forward like Boys does on the other side. Um, I think he's a right winger. I think he's a forward. <laughs> I think he's a right winger. I think he could play in, on the right of that front three quite comfortably, I think. Yeah. I do, I do think though, that we've got to adapt, uh, be able to adapt, because I think teams are starting to work us out. If they're doing their scouting, they can just say, oh, they're going to play five at the back every game. And it's not hard to, to work to... us out, to be fair, at the minute. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nothing but good times. We might need a full episode just to talk about this one. Is the general apathy around the club being caused by poor form and a readjustment of expectations, or is it symptomatic of a bleaker long-term trend my goodness who wants to take this one um yeah i know like us um she's supported wickham for a long time isn't she so uh, i think first of all we all remember the good days before social media before phones came a thing um before 14 year olds drinking a bottle of white lightning before football and thinking that they're superman when they go into the ground was a thing um I genuinely think a lot of this negativity and apathy is because of, of technology. I'm not just talking about social media. I'm talking about how easy it is to, to get hold of information. And in public information can be very, very useful to people, but it can also be very, very dangerous because if people who are reading it don't understand it. It's like we were talking about earlier in the chat <clears throat> about you know reporting large, large losses. If we were in 1991 and we we're reporting a large loss, that's fine, but accountancy procedures have massively changed nowadays. And if you don't understand the ins and outs of, of why it can be tax efficient and why it can be efficient to a foreign director reporting a loss in a UK company, then perhaps you shouldn't be, be commenting on stuff like that. Um, I think <clears throat> the reason that there is so much negativity around the club, even through good times, um, you know, I think we'll all agree that there's been some pretty ridiculous comments, even when we're when the going's been good, when the going was good under Gaz, and when the going was good under has been good under Blooms. Um, you know, there are still the haters on Facebook, on Twitter, on whatever other social media platforms exist. Um, we've spoken ourselves about the atmosphere being killed by people taking pictures instead of, uh, or taking videos instead of enjoying the moment. You know, can you imagine that game at Wimbledon all those years ago, you know, going to penalties and Martin Taylor scoring his penalty? Can you imagine what would happen if everybody was there with their video in their hands rather than, uh, oh. rather than just going absolutely mental? And I think... This is a really great question, um, but it's actually it's actually more of a societal issue than a Wickham Wanderers issue or a football issue. I think the the youth of today you have to be a little bit careful about what we say, it's at the risk of sounding very very old. <clears throat> some of the roof, the youth of today are just complete knobheads, um, mm. and let's call it for what it is. Um, and you know, unless people actually stand back and think, do you know what? I love this football club. Um, I'm going to criticise, but I'm I'm going to constructively criticise. I'm not going to go and vent my spleen on uh, on on Facebook or Twitter until that stops. Then the apathy will only get worse, and that's kind of my opinion on it. I don't necessarily think it's a football or a Wickham Wanderers thing. I just think it's societal. Whilst obviously social media has been a big uh, cause of society's downfall, almost um, the actual um, person who asked the question, I think is. Partially hit the nail on the head because if you, when we signed 11 players, we were going to walk the league and we got battered in the first two games. We went on a decent run again. We we're going to walk the league and we got, and then we got on this run. And I think readjusting of expectations for a lot of our fans has caused a lot of the negativity. You know, we we started, started thinking we, we're going to we're going to you know piss the league and then it's just all gone downhill and. Because of that, fans are just going to get more and more and more negative, especially on social media. 
Next question, Tyler, Tyler Salter. Um, how long do you realistically give Blooms? Uh, do you give him the next transfer window to work some magic? Or do you give him the whole season to learn and gain skills? I'm going to quickly jump into this one um, because I think the to get rid of Blooms right now would be absolute lunacy. You know, we've lost a couple of games. All right, our form over the last couple of months hasn't been great. And I and I know that the f- current football climate, the, the climate of the sport is, you know, if, if you if you don't play well for two games, then you get rid of the manager. But as we've said on previous pods, that's not Wickham's way. That's not how we do things. And uh, and I think what you know, given the fact that Rob's been, you know, Rob was at the recent game, and uh, this subject has been broached, I think it's clear and evident that he's going to be given Blooms his time. Blooms, I think, has. Uh, minimum until the end of the season for me. Although I will say, and I think that this was something that we discussed very recently, particularly after the Morecambe game, the for the first time, some of that kind of, will the club actually make a decision on this? They need to change things. That kind of crept in for the very first time on Saturday. What do you guys think? I think the uh, love for Blooms is holding him in his job. Um, However, having said that, I would still I keep him in at least, like you say, to the end of the season. Um, my major fear about it is if we got rid of Blooms, who's going to get it getting as better as that we can afford? Um, someone on Saturday said to me, "Oh, what about Nathan Jones? Is that, do we want that? Do we want that sort of football?" And I was thinking, he said, "But what about if he's if we're top of the you know halfway through the season with him in charge?" I'm thinking. It's just he, he's not right for this football club, and I would, I'd rather have syphilis, honestly. Yeah, same, same. But as I say, um, I don't think we're going to get anyone better at this stage of the season uh, with what with the budget that we've got. There was an interesting uh, name being thrown around, uh, Dobbo, potentially. He's been at games, hasn't he? He's mm. been at a couple of games. It's not a manager though, is he? He's, he's he's great at kind of organising things in the background, but he's not he's not a manager. I would, I would love Dobbo back involved in the club in some capacity, but um, I think you know Matt, Matt's just got to be given that time. Um, I would worry if it got to a point if we started slipping towards the relegation zone because, and I think probably based on Rob's comments on Tuesday, I think if we started slipping more towards towards League Two, he would make a decision based on that. To be honest. Um, so he, I think he's got a lot of goodwill in there at the moment, has Blooms, but I think if it progressively gets worse over the next couple of months, then I think probably he might start get, to get a bit worried. And that's just me being realistic. I don't want him to go. I I like the fact that we've maintained our integrity as a club and we're employing the right people. Um, I always think if you get rid of someone in any work, you know, especially because I kind of dabble on the sales side of things as well. If you get rid of someone within sales, you you there you set yourself back two three months, and I think that's probably the same way with a football club. In some respects, is that you'll always you know you've got to let a manager have a, a good few months to bed in before he starts kind of really showing his way going forward. So yeah, I think keep him on. I agree with that completely. In fact, I would actually say that if you get rid of your manager, you actually essentially erase the entire tenure that he'd been at the club. So say if Blooms yeah. is with us for 18 months, you get rid of him, you you set yourself back 18 months because you, the next exactly. person you bring in, they're going to be completely different because they're that's the reason you're bringing somebody else in. Um, so yeah, I, and not enough people talk about that. That it, you know, you even if you were to get rid of Blooms and bring back Gaz, what do you need to do? You need to reset the entire playing style. He would obviously want to go back to the way it was done, but now you've got an entire team made up of players who don't play that way anymore. Yes, exactly, and that's that's the problem because people be going. It's so easy for people to go bring back Gaz, uh, but I think you know we've we've drawn a line under that chapter now, and I think Blooms has got a different way of playing he wants to play a more exciting way jack's excite um kind of acknowledged on saturday that they're not doing that so right now as a manager and the measure of the man is that he needs to get everyone in line and actually doing what he says he wants them to do yeah i agree with all of that um if he was the right person to to go out and spend the money that he was given he's still the right person um it needs to be given opportunity to to be able to use the squad to his to his full benefit if you like um, look, there is absolutely no doubt, and I hate using this as an excuse, 
there is no doubt that any side, we're going to talk about Shrewsbury in a minute, I know, but any side at our level who lose that amount of players are going to struggle. Especially when you look at the players who we have lost. You know, we've had Grimmer out for a long time. McCarthy, I don't think, has played a game this season. Might come on as a sub for one game and then <laughs> and then we lost him again. Um, you know, Vokes has had a couple of spells out and didn't get much of a pre-season. We lost Leahy in the most horrendous way. We've lost Hanlon in the most horrendous way. We didn't have JJ around, who's who's been a leader for so long. <clears throat> the kind of players that we're talking about are are players who would all genuinely have been knocking on the door. It's all very well saying they've got ten injuries, but you know, if if eight of those injuries are a B team players, all of a sudden it doesn't make as much of a difference to to, to the first team experience and to the first team results. Um, I do think that like in every walk of life, in business, in football, in whatever it might be, that, you know, your your job is always under review. You know, your performance is always under review. And there's no doubt that Rob will be having some pretty frank conversations with Blooms while he's over here to say this isn't acceptable. Um, <clears throat> I think it's perfectly clear that the players are still playing for him. I think it's clear that the players love him to bits. Um and that a lot of this falls on the players. If they're being asked to do something and they're not doing it, that's a concern. But I have every single every confidence in Blooms as a man and as a coach that will turn this around. And um, and yeah, I think I think he's got enough credit in the bank to uh, to see us through to the end of the season, providing that nothing goes disastrously wrong. Nothing disastrously wrong. Let's draw a line under that for sure. Uh, last question before we move on to the Shrewsbury preview. Uh, some really good questions, by the way. Thank you to everyone that sent in. Sorry that we haven't been able to answer them all. Uh, however, um, keep keep asking us questions on, on Twitter and we'll keep doing segments like this on future podcasts because this is ultimately what we're all about. Uh, we are a podcast that is powered by the fans. We don't just say that because it sounds cool. That's what we really are. Uh, final question comes from probably one of my favourite Twitter handles, uh, HMS Piss the Leahy. Yeah, um, what, will it uh, what will it take to turn our fortunes around? And, uh, God, this is a hard question. And can fans do anything from the bottom up? I'm going to quickly jump in here. I will say, yeah, turn up, stop talking crap on Twitter, shut up and get to Adams Park every game. Even if we lose 12-0 on the bounce for the next year, turn up, everyone. That's what we can do. Send your art out for the lads. Stop booing. That more. That's, that's <laughs> exactly that. Stop booing. <laughs> Booing Stop drives doing. me insane. Yeah. Where else in society is booing acceptable? I think I've had this rant before, so I won't go on for When you talk long. about Lyle Taylor, boo. Go on to go into the cinema and the film's piss poor. You don't have 300 people sat there going, boo. It is it's, yeah, it's, a, it's more of a reflection on the idiots that are doing it more than anything else. I have a rule with Lockie um, when he comes to football with me that regardless of what the score is, he stands at the side of the pitch and he applauds the players. Um, because none of them have gone out there to do a bad job. None of them have gone Saturday. out there to lose. Um, it's exactly the same as when he's playing on a Sunday. Regardless of the score, um, win or lose, you go around, you shake hands with every one of your opposition and you show respect and appreciation for them. Um, we are never going to go without losing. We're never going to go without playing badly. You know, everybody's getting into Man City at the minute. This is the best team in the world who have spent over over a billion pounds in the last 10 years with the best manager in the world. And everybody's getting into them because they've drawn, what is it, three games on the trot. We are a small League One football club who, with our resources and our stadium, are still punching above our weight. Like Michael says, turn up, stop booing, and get behind the team. The support that the um, at the beginning of the season, even in the Exeter game and the Lincoln game, um, were absolutely outstanding. And it just seems to have drifted away. And it's all very well having done. Dan, I know you're part of this, and I'm not being critical of you personally, but it's all very well having these these fan groups and initiatives. But we have to be as fired up for these games when we're losing as we are when we're winning. Um, it is pointless having a fan group who are only who are only vocal when we're winning. Um, we need to make noise. We need to get behind the lads, and we need the lads to know that we're there. That we're there behind them. There is nothing worse I can imagine than walking off of a football pitch and being booed by four thousand people. It's embarrassing. 
just stop it, get behind them, and results will turn around. Can I just one one thing before Dan goes into the the fan group stuff and, and gives him two cents? I just want to quickly point out Reading, who came to Adams Park a couple of weeks ago. They're they're having an absolute nightmare at the moment. They've had a really rough three or four years since they were bought, and uh, they turn up. Uh, the biggest away crowd at Adams Park so far this season, sung their hearts out, gave us hell. Um, Their club is in the absolute shitter right now, and there's a really good chance that they're going to get relegated. Their staff are not being paid, and there's probably a good chance that that includes the playing staff to some degree as well, if not all of them. And yet, they still turn up in their droves and sung their hearts out for the boys and that's a club that are rock bottom with very little long-term prospects right now. They could, they are in real danger of becoming the next Bury. It's, it's, it's completely, you can't even believe it's going to happen potentially, but they could be wound up. They could be wound up. And, and, and now I log on to Twitter for five minutes and I see the, you know, I see some of our, I see some of our more intelligent fans go, oh, it's time to sack Bloomfield. Wake up. Yeah. I'm I going to say with the, with the fan group stuff it, and Reading's such a good example you look at Luton when they went down as well um, you know they they could have sunk down to nothing and with the 30 minus 30 deduction and they still you know filled their stadium in the conference and you know things like that Cambridge went down they're getting six, 7,000 a game so you know fans will show um, their level of support in times of adversity, of course, they will, which is really good. So this is where we've got to get behind the lads. Now, um, a fan initiative is only as good as the people, you know, the fans that are, that are behind it, you know, with with a fan group. It's not a particular set of fans. It's, it's actually using it as a platform to go, right, how, how can we can actually improve things? And at the moment, you know, we need people to kind of go, right, things are shit at the moment, but this is how we kind of, going to get behind the lads a bit more so that that the whole thing now is times are tough but this shows our metal as fans we've we've got to really get behind the lads saturday it starts with saturday you know get get down there sing your hearts out even if we're three nil down whatever it is and and let's show our support we've we just got to keep going at it Let's, uh, well, let's cast our attention ahead now to Saturday, back in the league. A really good opportunity for us to get behind the boys and also for the boys to show us what they can really do because hopefully that fire that was lit by Jack last Saturday is still very much there. And as we mentioned, you know, we've got some good things happening. We've got Luke back, uh, potentially lining up against his former club. That could be a bit spicy. One interesting thing that I do want to bring up is the fact that Shrewsbury are having a scarily, eerily similar season to us. New manager um, came in in the summer, uh, replaced uh, Steve Cotterell. Matt Taylor, uh, formerly of West Ham, I think, previously managed Warsaw in League Two. So he's brand new. Uh, they're, they're having a very middling season. 12th currently, seven wins, three draws, 10 defeats. They got minus 15 goal difference. That's much worse than ours. The big thing, though, the big uh, comparison point is the fact that they are also dealing with an injury crisis, although I would wager that many clubs are probably dealing with an injury crisis right now. But they currently have 10 players out as of today's conversation, which has been recorded on the 6th. Uh, they're struggling to fill their bench right now. So um, interesting comparison point going into Saturday. Um, what do you want to see on Saturday? Who should we be lining up with? And uh, look, an interesting thing as well is this is Blooms' uh, uh, first game as Wickham manager came against uh, Shrewsbury last season. It was a 2-0 defeat. So hopefully we're looking to improve. What do you want to see? Who should be lining up? Our last few home games against Shrewsbury at home have always ended up being really shit games. So it's been your nil-nils or we've been losing 2-1 or something very stupid when we expected to win. What I want to see is I want to go out and, see, go out and actually attack. Um, you know, Dale's got a couple of goals from Tuesday. Let's hope he brings that into Saturday because um, it's quite evident he'll most likely be playing. Let's just... Give it a go and, and attack as much as we can. I think if we go back to a back three of Tafferino and Joe Lowe again, I think we'll be much better. I, I, Matt's not going to change from a back five. So if we stick with that three, I'm feeling a bit more comfortable. Um, but I just want to see us go out and attack. 
even if it's a 4-3 or a 5-3 game, you know, just that's my prediction coming up there. But, you know, if it's a 5-3 game, fantastic. That's what we want. I want, I, you know, we'll sort out the, the defensive stuff in time, but let's go out and score some goals. If we remember what Simon Garner said last week, he used to go out on a Saturday afternoon to entertain. People have paid, worked all week to pay their money. And uh, I just think we can do the same thing. The last few games, we've really lacked passion and drive. And we, if we put them in on Saturday with the players, we've got we obviously we've got Luke back. Um, I don't know what the status of Freddie Potts is, but if he's back, great. Um, but yeah, show some passion, passion and drive. And as you say, you know their goal difference much worse than us. Let's, let's make it even worse than that. Yeah, I want to see us going for it as well. Um... I don't really want to talk about Luke. It just feels so inappropriate saying I hope he's back. Ultimately, I just hope he comes back when he is healthy enough to be playing league football. I know he played in a week, but um, Luke, if you're listening, don't don't rush back. Um, I just want to see us go for it. I just want to see players being positive on the ball. I want to see us getting the ball forward and <clears throat> using our, um, our more offensively able players. I feel like for all of his endeavour and his running around, I feel like GMAC's been a bit bypassed over the last couple of games. I don't know if that's tiredness or if it's just we've changed the formation and he's perhaps not suited playing a bit more centrally. But there's no doubt that GMAC's at his strongest when he's getting chalk on his boots and he's, you know, running at fullbacks and running at defenders and cutting in. Um, you know, Dale Taylor should have a bit of confidence now. Um, like Damo says, I don't know where Freddie Potts is at. Um, I wasn't expecting him to play last week, but whether or not he's back, that could be that could be really big for us. But the biggest thing has got to be just, you know, take the shackles off. Um, the, there's nothing more frustrating as a football fan than one of your players admitting they're not doing what the manager's asking them to do and the manager's asking them to do what the fans want them to do. Um, it, it, it is so frustrating to watch. It's so pedestrian. Just go out there, give us 110%, give us a bit of passion and get the ball in the box. And that's all we can ask for. And, you know, if, if we walk away and we've lost and we can say every single player gave 100%, we've had seven or eight shots on target and we've been bloody unlucky, then fine. If we walk away and we've lost 2-0 and we had a shot on target, we shot ourselves in the foot again and we can't afford to be doing that. Uh, score predictions. Do you need to ask me? Sean Van Hadrick, 5-3. It's going to happen gonna, one day. Not the Sean Devine hat trick, but the 5 3 will happen one day. It will, it will happen one day, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say 2 1 to us. You know, I think we're going to sneak it as well. F- football fans and hope, you know, we've just spoken for an hour about how bad everything is. <laughs> and, uh, and we all think we're going to win this week. But yeah, I, I, I've got a feeling we're going to sneak it. I had a feeling we we're going to lose on Saturday. Um, I think we're going to sneak this one. I'm going to say 1 0. Uh, and I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to say Dale Taylor. I'm also saying one nil. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. A, we're not going to run over them by any means. And as uh, as Dan said, he's absolutely right. Um, Shrewsbury, they're a difficult side, uh, a bit awkward. It's never comfortable whenever we play them. Uh, that's for sure. However, I think Saturday is a fantastic opportunity for us to. Uh, uh, to to continue to build on, you know, beating some kids on a on a Tuesday, a very very cold Tuesday. But hey, let's be optimistic, right? That's all we can be. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining, as always, and that will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP Twelve. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys and hopefully free points to talk about. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.